1: All right, welcome to the Mental Health Today Show. My name is John Cordray, and I'm a licensed therapist and a the host of this show, and I'm really glad that you're here. I'm going to be talking about anxiety, nausea syndrome, the causes and strategies that you can use if you struggle with this. Some of you might be thinking, well, well what is anxiety, nausea syndrome, or ANS for short? Well, all right, here is uh, here's what I mean by that. So you have anxiety this anxiety that's been with you, but you also have nausea at the same time. And you've had it for more than seven days in a row, nonstop. That's anxiety, nausea syndrome. And some of you are are either listening to this or watching this, this podcast episode. And you're thinking, that's me. I have anxiety. I have nausea and I've had it for longer than seven days. Some of you have had it for months or even years. And if that's you, then this is the episode for you. Others of you are thinking, gosh, I thought I was the only one struggling with this. And and I feel like there's something wrong with me. What's wrong with me? And this is for you as well. And some of you are just kind of starting this journey, this, this very uncomfortable journey with anxiety and nausea. And maybe you just started. Maybe the nausea came out of the blue, and you've had anxiety for a while, but the nausea is new. And this episode is going to be helpful for you. Hopefully, it's encouraging to you, but it's also something that's, that you can learn that that you can use to be able to work on the anxiety and work on the nausea symptoms. And so, let's talk about that. Let's talk about. Uh, how the two com- the combination of the one two punch is a horrible thing, and th- that it can interfere with so much of your life. So, let's talk about the things that that the A and S can interfere with your life. And some of you go to school, for instance, and you wake up in the morning and you have anxiety and you have nausea, and the last thing you want to do is go to school. You can't, you can't focus. You can't sit still. You feel like you're going to throw up, and and I remember uh, years ago um, in my practice, in my private practice, and I was talking to a client, and she was a student, and she brought this up, and she has anxiety, so that's that's bad enough to struggle with, but on top of that, she had. Uh, a, a real fear of throwing up because when she was younger she did throw up in front of people and and she felt like people were gonna were making fun of her and she didn't want that to happen again and so this anxiety she would wake up with it and then she felt nauseous and then that actually, really kept her from going to school. And she would she would even drive to school and sit in the parking lot and just couldn't go in because in her mind, she was going to throw up. And in her mind, if she were to throw up, people were going to laugh at her and she would be completely embarrassed. And so it can affect you in many ways feeling this way. And, and if you wake up in the morning and the first thing that you feel is the anxiety and then it's the nausea. And maybe you're not going to school, but maybe you're going to work, or you're supposed to go to work, or maybe you're at home and and you're supposed to log on for work, and you feel nauseous, you feel like sick, you feel like you're going to throw up. And the other thing that it it really kind of ruins the day, knowing that gosh, here I have the, this nausea and the anxiety. I'm not hungry, but I know I should eat, and so it interferes with your eating as well, and so. If you are restricting what you eat because of how you feel physically and when you feel like you're just nauseous, the last thing, the very, very last thing you want to do or even think about is eat something. But if you don't eat anything, it can make it worse. So you have to have some nutritious food in you. You have to be able to have something of substance just so you can have energy for the day. Sometimes you have anxiety. Maybe it comes on maybe in the afternoon or maybe in the evening. Maybe it, maybe your anxiety actually uh, creates the, the nauseous feeling or sometimes it's a nauseous feeling that creates the anxiety. And that's the thing. You don't know a lot of times which causes what. You're either sick and worried, worried and sick, and it goes on and on and on. And you don't know, uh, exactly what caused one or the other, and so you wake up or or throughout your day you have the anxiety, and whatever it is that you're worried about, maybe it's the future and you're catastrophizing you're overthinking, and then uh the uh, the nauseous feeling comes, and that's the thing with anxiety you can feel it physically in your stomach in the pit of your stomach so often. And so when you are anxious about something that maybe hasn't happened yet, like catastrophizing, or maybe you're predicting the future or making assumptions that something terrible is going to happen that can actually produce physical symptoms in your stomach. And it could be nausea or it could be even just like a, a knot in your stomach. You know, it feels, it feels weird. It feels um, a tight knot in your stomach. Maybe it's, A tightness in your chest. But physical symptoms, yes, it's an emotional component, but it affects physical uh, parts of you as well. Uh, And so to have anxiety and nausea, it's very common and you may not realize how common it is. And I have a a video on YouTube. In fact, it's my most popular video right now. And there are over 2000 comments on it. And it's Uh, titled Anxiety and Nausea All the Time. And it's really, actually, it's heartbreaking to read the stories of the people who are commenting on that video. And yet they all share something in common, and it's this horrible feeling of the anxiety and the nausea. And so many feel like they're the only one. And when they realize that, no, they're not the only one, you're not the only one suffering from this, there, There's a certain element of comfort that comes with that. It doesn't take things away. It doesn't solve the problem, but there is a certain element of comfort, of knowing that, yes, there, it's a real thing. It's, you're not going crazy and you're not alone. And so many people can relate to you. If that's you, let me know. So if you're listening to this via audio, wherever you listen to podcasts, or if you're watching this on YouTube podcast, uh, let me know what do you, first of all, do you feel like you're alone? And second of all, have you had anxiety, nausea, syndrome for a long time? Uh, I know I just uh, saw a message from someone the other day saying that uh, they've had it for years, years and years. And, and I can't imagine how horrible that is. Uh, I had someone just earlier today saying, I'm glad I find, I found someone to actually address this because, uh, because they feel alone and they feel like nobody is really addressing it. And that's why I wanted to have this episode and do this episode because it's so important and it affects so many people. And it doesn't matter how old you are, what age you are. Uh, you might be going into school. You might be going to work. You might be married and have kids. You might be, you might be a grandparent or you might be an older person living alone and having anxiety and nausea uh, all the time. is just really, really, really struggles and struggling, and it's not a good combination. So some of the causes could be a lot of things. Uh, Anxiety itself can come up out of the blue, uh, and and maybe you've had it for a long time, or maybe it's recent. Uh, But if you are Continuing to focus and obsess on a particular topic, for instance, and maybe it's finances, maybe it's work, maybe it's school, maybe it's a relationship, and or it could be a combination of one of multiple of, of those. And when you start to fo- fixate and focus on and ruminate on that, you think of all the different possibilities, and usually the possibilities are all negative. What if something terrible happens? What if uh, I say something and it makes my partner upset and hurt? What if I do something that will completely ruin this relationship? And so it's constant thinking and overthinking about what you should or shouldn't do about the future. And that anxiety just continues to stay there in your mind. And sometimes it is, it leads to other anxiety provoking thoughts. And it's this constant web of negative thinking. And so you you want to avoid those thoughts and you want to distract yourself, but it's very hard to get rid of them. That's anxiety. And when you struggle with anxiety, and if it's for multiple uh, weeks at a time, and and I'm not talking about anxiety once in a while or anxiety that you feel when you are getting ready to go uh, and talk in front of people. I'm not talking about that. That's a different subject. This is ongoing generalized anxiety that you have, and it's persistent and consistent. And you tend to have these catastrophizing thoughts in your mind that then influences how you feel, stress, anxiety, depression, worry, which then influences how you behave. And maybe you withdraw, Maybe you're on your phone for hours and hours and hours to distract yourself, but you're trying everything you can not to feel this way. That's anxiety. And then sometimes that anxiety then produces, um, different chemicals from your brain. So it starts thoughts in your brain, right? So that makes sense. And then when you have these thoughts and sometimes the, uh, the amygdala in our brain, the emotional regulator of our brain, goes in hyperdrive and, and we're worried about something and maybe it is life threatening or maybe we're perceiving it to be life threatening in some way or life changing life altering and that uh, the amygdala sends messages and that is the the fight flight or or freeze response and it affects our vagus nerve in our nervous system and when our nervous system goes in hyper for instance it activates adrenaline so many different types of chemicals in our brain adrenaline and serotonin uh and the neurotransmitters kind of kick in overdrive you know if visualize uh, a car that is up on cinder blocks and your the accelerator is going full bore like it's floor a uh, pedal to the metal but it's on cinder blocks and it's revving well, it can go that fast and that hard for so long, but eventually it's going to break down. And that's what our body does. So eventually we can handle a lot of stress. We can, our bodies can tolerate a certain level of anxiety, but when you don't have relief of that, that then sends those, those uh, signals and it malfunctions, if you will, our nervous system, our system malfunctions. And then our vagus nerve actually goes down into our gut. And a lot of doctors have even called our stomach or our gut, our second brain, because it is connected. There is a a, a proven connection between our thoughts, our brain, and in our gut. And so the anxiety produces, um, manifests itself into a physical symptom that affects our stomach. That's why you feel nauseous. And then here's the thing. When you feel nauseous, that can produce more anxiety. And then it just snowballs into this, this tangle of anxiety, nausea syndrome. So if you have a combination of anxiety and nausea for at least seven days in a row, you have ANS, but that's okay. You're you're going to get through this. And that, and I, I, I want to give you some hope in this as well, you might say, gosh, all right, so I have ANS, my life is over. Okay, now don't go there. Don't let your worry and your anxious thoughts go there, because you have to take it one step at a time. So some strategies, what are what are some strategies that you can do if you have ANS? Well, a lot of times when we are talking about anxiety and nausea, those are two separate things, but they are a combination of things as well. So let's talk about what you can do to help regulate your anxiety. And then we can talk about what you can do to regulate your stomach. And so the anxiety, as we mentioned,
2: I mentioned before,
1: that it is so often uh, a product of, of overthinking of catastrophizing of the future. Maybe it's even attached to the past and you're thinking about things that you did or things that you said that you regret and have guilt over. And so you can't change the future. You can't change the past. And that then produces the anxiety. And so it's the thoughts, thoughts. If we could work on and hone in on our thoughts, that's going to really reduce 90% of the anxiety because your thoughts are not all based in evidence facts. It's based in assumptions. It's based on predictions. It's based on anything but the present, right? It's not focused on the evidence. What do you know to be true? Not what you think is true or will be true, but what do you know to be true? And so whenever I talk about the thoughts and what we call that cognitive distortions, whenever I talk about that, I usually reference the court of law and that's something that we all kind of recognize in the U S right. You're, you are, uh, innocent until proven guilty and, when you go before the court and, and before the judge and the jury, you have to present evidence and the jury is not going to convict you on circumstantial evidence. But when we, when it comes to ourselves and our thoughts, we have our thoughts. A lot of times it's circumstantial evidence. You don't have evidence to back it up, to prove it. And yet we use that circumstantial evidence as a way of proving to ourselves that something terrible is going to happen. We're predicting the future. We're catastrophizing. That's what that's called. And so when you focused on on something that you cannot change and these cognitive distortions that are just going to make things worse, it then influences how you feel. And that's where the anxiety comes. That's where depression comes. That's where guilt and shame and regret come from. They're influenced by your thoughts that are not based in evidence. And then what happens from the thoughts to the feeling, and then the feeling then influences our behavior. And so you, maybe you avoid things, you withdraw from people because you feel like they're thinking of something about you. And so it's this vicious cycle of rumination, it starts with the thought that you're catastrophizing or thinking about the future or mind reading. And then that influences your feelings, your emotions, and then that, and then influences your behavior. And so when it comes to anxiety with the thoughts, we want to zero in on those thoughts and ask ourselves, okay, what I'm thinking is this, do I have evidence for this? And if you tell yourself, "No, I don't really have evidence for this, but it feels like it's true." That's circumstantial evidence. You got to get rid of that. Focus on what you know to be true. And so, reframing those negative thoughts, uh, coming up with an alternative thought, that's the evidence. And so, what do you know to be true about that certain uh, that specific uh situation? You focus on, the, on what's, what you know to be true. If it's a relationship and you're worried about what the other person is thinking about you, one one of the ways to go right to the source and learn what the actual evidence is, is ask the person that you're thinking or, or wondering about. You Go right to them and ask them. That's finding out the facts. Stick with the facts. Don't focus on circumstantial evidence. So when you have the anxiety and it's based in a thought that's not really, you don't have evidence for it and it's producing this negative emotion, work on reframing it into an alternative thought, which is evidence, not circumstantial evidence. And then the other, another thing that you can do if you have anxiety, maybe, maybe the anxiety is coming from thoughts that are actually are true. Rather than catastrophizing, maybe it's actually happening. Something bad is actually happening. Then we want to work on your emotions. What can you do to regulate your emotions? So maybe it's deep breathing, learning to inhale through your nose with your mouth closed. Inhale very deeply. Hold your breath for three to four seconds. And then blow out your mouth, out of your mouth long enough and hard enough to blow out candles. And I always recommend blow out As long as you can, and then do that eight times in a row, slowly, that'll help regulate that vagus nerve, deep breathing. There's all types of of deep breathing out there, uh, that you can look at and, 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 uh, learn from, but essentially it's breathing through your, your nose, inhaling, and then holding your breath and then exhaling slowly, numerous times in a row. And then the other thing that you can do is active observation and that's observing what's around you. So just wherever you're at, you're feeling anxious, just look around and identify five things that you see Uh, include the shape and the color Uh, look around and, and, and see, you know, within, within a radius five things. And then what do you hear? The quiet, you want to just be quiet for a few seconds. And what do you hear? Maybe you hear an airplane going by or a car going by, or maybe it's uh, a lawnmower or, or a fan that you hear, or the AC or heater comes on. What do you hear? Five things. And then what do you feel? What are five things that you feel? You know, do you feel your body uh, on a chair? Do you feel your feet on the floor? Do you feel air or breeze from a fan? And then identify uh, if you, if, if depends where you're at, what do you taste and think about your senses, in other words, And and that's a grounding technique, five, 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 right? Ground yourself. And so when you have the anxiety, nine times out of 10, it's based on a cognitive distortion and things that haven't happened yet. Or that you're worried will happen. So work on the the thoughts, turning that into, reframing it into an alternative thought, what you know to be true. And then work on deep breathing and active observation to ground yourself in the present. Because the anxiety is anything but but the present. It's a future-oriented. Sometimes it's past-oriented. But focus on the present. And that will help ground you with that. So that's anxiety. Now, next is the, the nauseous, the feeling nauseous all the time. And so let's talk a little bit about that. So a lot of times people will tell me that they feel too sick to eat. And so they don't. And I get it. Because it affects your stomach and you don't want to throw up and you have a fear of throwing up all the time. But when you don't eat, when you restrict eating, you're not feeding your body nutritious nutrition, and it needs it more than ever when you're feeling this way. So it's not restricting what you eat. It's being intentional with what you eat, knowing that you have a a sensitive stomach. And so what, think about what are some things that are healthy to eat? Now, there's three things that I talk about when it comes to deciding on what to eat with when you have nausea. So first is uh is it uh, nutritious? Ask yourself is this a nutritious thing? Then is it uh is it uh, does it easy on the stomach? Uh, what you eat is easy on the stomach. And the third one is is this something that is sustainable? So if I eat this and just maybe nibble on it a little bit at a time, will that help sustain me? And that's what you want to focus on. Uh, Don't focus on not eating. Focus on what you can eat. And just little bits at a time. Feed your body. Try to take it slow. Try not to let your anxiety take over with your nausea. So think about what you can eat and make sure it's not foods that are spicy, that are greasy, that'll make things worse. But think about there are certain fruits that you can eat that that are healthy and can help you like bananas, applesauce, apples. Uh, think of whole foods when it comes to uh, being nutritious. Now, everyone's a little different. And so you have to recognize what you can tolerate. But try something that's nutritious. Uh, you might try. Make sure you're not allergic to these, but certain nuts like almonds and and, uh, other nuts, cashews can be healthy for you. And again, you don't have to eat a lot, just eat some. And then uh, is it gentle on your stomach? Can it be easily digested? And and so think about bland foods. Uh, If you maybe even eat some crackers uh, or some noodles would be good. Remember, I don't know if you grew up uh, with your mom or, or grandma with, when you got sick, they would say, you should eat some chicken noodle soup. Well, there's a lot of truth to that because it's gentle on the stomach and it's nutritious. And so again, you, you have to, um, think about how you will process this food, but you want it to be thinking about, uh, being nutritious. And you also want to make sure that, uh, it's gentle and easy on your stomach. And so don't overdo it. You're not talking about overdoing it either, but slow, chew slow, eat slow, and then drink plenty of water. You might even try ginger. That's a, a favorite uh, that I always recommend is you can get some fresh ginger. Just go to the store and buy a, a fresh ginger and peel it, uh, slice it up, put a slice in your mouth and chew on it. It's uh, It's strong. Uh, but there are chemicals, natural chemicals in ginger that will actually serve as a as a, a di- digestive aid, and it can help soothe your stomach. You can chop it up and mince it up and put it in hot water and drink it like a tea. Uh, and you can get lemons as well and eat a lemon. Uh, so do some research and think about what you can do to help with your nausea. So eat, sm- eat little bites. Drink cold water, and I would recommend cold water, uh, and really be trying to focus on uh, lowering your anxiety and your nausea at the same time. Uh, the other thing that you could do, uh, one last thing before I let you go, uh, w- with anxiety and nausea, we want to think about the, the nervous system, and and sometimes uh, being able to shock the system, if you will, can be a really helpful thing to try. And I talk about using very cold water or even ice cubes on your skin. And so using cold water, get a bowl, a mixing bowl, full of ice, put water in it, and then dip your face in it several times. It's going to send automatic signals to your brain, and it's going to say, oh, this is cold. That's what you want. You want to shock the system with cold, not hot. You don't want to hurt the skin. Uh, but you want to shock it enough to reset the system. And you might have to do that several times, uh, but that can really help you. And you want to address this in a physiological way as well. So if you have anxiety, nausea syndrome, we talked about the causes, and we talked about strategies that you can do. I hope this was helpful for you. Let me know if you have other questions about this, if you want me to talk more about this and maybe another the same topic, but maybe about something else. I, I value your input. Let me know. And as, uh, as always, always, I would love for you to subscribe to the show, to follow the show. You can watch this episode on my YouTube channel at John Cordray, uh, or you can listen to it anywhere you listen to podcast. And I hope this has been helpful. I want to encourage you. I know having ANS is a very difficult thing. It's very hard one day at a time. And know that you're not alone and you do have to work at it, but you don't have to feel this way and be in this uh, this situation forever. You got to have hope, hang on to the hope and don't let go of that hope that you have. All right, friends, take care. I appreciate you so much. I'm going to let you go one day at a time, my friends.